What is good, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Off Day Debrief, part of the SB Nation NFL show. I'm Rob Stats Guerrera. He is Brandon Lee Gowden. What's up, BLG? Stats, the Super Bowl is here. A new microphone in front of me is here. So, you know, yes. we're really pulling out all the stops ahead of the big game, as it's known, uh, as you will reference, I'm sure, in maybe a certain ad read that you might have to do. Uh, but we're here, Stats. It's an exciting time. Super Bowl 56 is just days away. We have a great show for you today. We are going to take a look and compare the two quarterbacks and decide which quarterback is more important in this game. And then after our break, we have our lists because, you know, this show is the home of the only 100% accurate power rankings in the entire NFL podcast kingdom. So you and I have each have our lists of the five most important non-quarterbacks in this game because we want to give a little love to, you know, the guys that aren't under center. I feel like it's kind of important to talk about more than just the quarterbacks and the head coach. And uh, I feel like between all of the excellent programming we have going on here at the SB Nation NFL show staff, I'm sure we can afford to give love to maybe some of the lesser known or at least the the not dominant storylines. Obviously, these teams are in the Super Bowl. We have a good idea of who the big stars are and we'll touch on some obvious names. But uh, maybe our rankings will differ. Hopefully they were. They will not were. Before we get rolling, I want to remind you that we are brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app today. Use code SBNNFL for a special offer when you sign up. That is code SBNNFL only at DraftKings. And this is the perfect time. If you are new to the show or you've just checked out a couple episodes, whatever the case may be, you want to subscribe right now because we have a ton of content coming at you. We still have our long-form shows like you're listening to now. We also have our Super Bowl roundtables that come out every day this week. It started yesterday. It's going to continue today with Kenny Arthur of Turf Show Times to give you the lay of the land, what's happening in L.A., what's the mood, what's the feel, what are the storylines that you need to know. And we have a ton of great guests coming up for you this week. Mike Golick, Charles Davis, uh, Austin Eckler, Alexander Madison, Deion Sanders, George Kittle, Dick Butkus, Saquon Barkley, Robert Woods, who's actually on the Rams, is going to join us. Travis Kelsey, Russell Wilson, and that's not even the entire list. So smash that subscribe button. Who are you most hearing? Uh, looking forward to hearing from BLG. Uh, future Eagles quarterback Russell Wilson, obviously. Stats. <laughs> so I have to do that interview. Yeah. So that's going to be weird for me because this that man has tortured me since he came into the league in 2012. I think I'm going to tell him to just knock it off, basically. You should tell him to come join the NFC East. You should say, you know, there's a team out there in Philadelphia that you can really go to uh, if you wanted to. They wanted you once upon a time. Uh, you know, give them consideration. That would be my advice to you, Stats, is to kind of help me out here. My plan, I'm going to go at him a little bit. It's not going to be you know, a totally friendly thing because I'm going to call him out for his whole... I want to be traded. I don't want to be traded, but my agent's releasing a list of teams. Like, I'm, we're going to get into it. So it, that's going to be an interesting one. So like I said, make sure you follow so that stuff goes right to your phone. You won't even have to think to remember. It'll come right to you. All right, BLG. Let's start with the quarterbacks because that is, you know, where everybody focuses. It gets a lot of attention, and rightfully so. I feel like you could not have two different quarterback stories coming into this game, right? You have Matt Stafford, the number one overall pick back in the day, incredibly talented guy stuck on a horrible team in a bad situation in Detroit. He finally gets out of there and now he's immediately in the Super Bowl after landing in LA. And then you have Joe Burrow 
who I feel like is the guy that Matthew Stafford was supposed to be, right? Like that's when you draft a quarterback number one overall, the hope is that he turns into Joe Burrow, the guy that totally changes the culture, totally changes your franchise. Now, I don't know that anybody thought he was going to make it to the Super Bowl in year two, hmm. but that's the thinking that when you draft a quarterback that high is that this is where he will eventually take you. Yeah, I think with Stafford, um, you know, I, I do think he was obviously held back in Detroit to some extent. But at the same time, I think you kind of just touched on it there with the impact of Burrow. Um, you know, Joe Burrow, like, isn't there a world where we could easily say, um, like, he was held back in Cincy for a long time? Like, they were just too, they couldn't build around him. They couldn't find a way. But it doesn't matter because he's kind of Joe Burrow and he can kind of overcome this. And we've seen this with, you know, playing in a playoff game, getting sacked nine times and still being able to win. It's never like just been like, Oh, it's the perfect situation. Now, obviously he has some things going for him with the receivers and everything. Um, But I think the difference, you know, with Stafford was that pretty good player, but he couldn't necessarily, you know, elevate the Lions uh, over the top. And that's not an easy task, but neither is elevating the Bengals, who had never even won a playoff game in forever, <laughs> basically. Um, so I think that kind of shows you the difference in that, you know, Joe Burrow, both good quarterbacks, but Joe Burrow kind of being more special and Matthew Stafford being good, but obviously being in a really good uh, supporting situation as well and that making a high level difference here. Yeah, I think there's a difference in intangibles between the two, right? Like Burrow has everything you would want from your quarterback. Moxie, you know, toughness, just like he's just like, we're going to do it. We're going to be good because I say it and that's just going to be it. With Stafford, I don't know. I don't get the same feeling of like, like everybody in Cincinnati loves Joe Burrow, right? Like they would run through a wall for Joe Burrow. And I'm sure everybody in L.A. likes Matthew Stafford, but it's different. He wasn't drafted there. He just came over last year. He was kind of like the hired gun type of thing. I don't know. Maybe that's me being unfair, but I just feel like in terms of that other stuff, not the the physical play on the field, all the other stuff, I actually give the leg up to Burrow. Yeah, well, when it comes to intangibles, I mean, you have to. Uh, one of the big things I think about when it comes to me relating everything to the Eagle stats is Excellent. – Nick Foles and how composed he was. That's like a big takeaway I had from the Eagles Super Bowl win. He was just unflappable out there. You couldn't face him. It didn't matter what you did. Nick Foles was going to go out there and he was totally in command and he was going to execute. And obviously Tom Brady was really good in that game too. Um, But at the end of the day, you know, Nick Foles was on the victorious side. And I just see that same kind of thing in Joe Burrow in terms of he's totally in command. He's not rattled at all. Again, I referenced the game, the nine sacks. Like, there's, there's nothing you can do. It feels like almost to 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 get him uh, like off his rocker, like to get him <laughs> off his mark. Um, and I don't necessarily think Stafford is uh, has shown signs of being totally rattled, but I think you know more so than Burrow and. I think Stafford, what he kind of gives you a little bit sometimes, he gets like fired up a little bit more than Joe Burrow does. Joe Burrow has a swag to him. Obviously, don't get me wrong, but I think uh, Stafford get a little more fiery um, at times. Um, so it, it is an interesting contrast. I, I just, I guess the way I'm looking at both of those guys heading into this week, I, I just have more trust in Joe Burrow, just, just from a like the, the composure standpoint. Well, we talked to Ross Tucker last week, and that was like his number one takeaway. Yep. From the AFC Championship game where he worked and he interviewed Joe Burrow after the game. And and he said that Burrow was just kind of like, yep, this was great. You know, we still got another game to win. It's like, dude, you don't like I don't even think he realizes 
what he did. Like the Bengals had never won a road playoff game in their existence until Joe Burrow did it. Like, so maybe, you know, he hasn't had a chance to kind of step back and think about everything, but I agree with you. He doesn't get fired up. Stafford does. I don't think Burrow gets emotional one way or the other fired up down in the dumps, whatever Stafford definitely does. And look, I, I've been watching Matthew Stafford closely this season, obviously, because he plays in the division of the team that I cover. There will be a point in this game where Matt Stafford is going to give the Bengals an opportunity to make a play. He's going to drop back and he's going to chuck a deep ball where you're going to look where it lands and be like, what the hell was he even thinking about? He does it constantly. He did it in the NFC Championship game and the 49ers just dropped it. If you go back and look at that interception, especially from the end zone view, BLG, it looks like a punt. Yeah. Like there's nobody. uh, He just... It's like he just drops back and decides he's going to throw it deep no matter what. And it's it's almost always bad. I know I, I just called it the interception. It wasn't the interception, obviously, because it was dropped. But almost. like he will give Cincinnati an opportunity to get the ball back when they shouldn't. And I think that that could be the difference in the game. So, you know, what we're doing on the show today is, you know, obviously in, in the second half, at least, is ranking the most important players and non-quarterbacks because, you know, it's we obviously would have these quarterbacks at the top of our list. I think everyone would or at least should. Um, but if we were to include them and you're ranking, you know, Burrow and Stafford, I mean, to me, it has to be Joe Burrow over Stafford. And that's not just necessarily – I'm not talking about, like, who's better. I'm talking about who's more important. I mean, like, Joe Burrow is the Bengals. Matthew Stafford – is a very important member and obviously going from Jared Goff to him was a, was a big deal and important, but um, I think he can be somewhat of a passenger still at times. Like, you know, you look at the wild card game, you know, he attempted 17 passes because he needed to, you know, it's not like he needed to do more than that. Um, but also, you know, how he was playing late in the season, which he has turned it around in the playoffs. But a big reason why there were concerns about the Rams heading into the postseason was he had like eight touchdowns, eight interceptions in his last four games. Uh, or, or three games here. So, um, you know, I, I just think there's more concerns about Stafford. Uh, obviously, he's not that kind of elite guy. He's a, he's a good quarterback, a pretty good quarterback. And again, he's made some really big throws for the Rams in the playoffs, and he's playing better than he did down the stretch in the regular season. But I just think um, it's possible, I guess, for the Rams to kind of get maybe more of a like B minus kind of game from Stafford, I think it's still win. Then if the Bengals get a B minus game from Joe Burrow, I don't think they're winning the Super Bowl. I totally agree. Burrow has to be great for Cincinnati to win the Super Bowl. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. Although it's not like Joe Mixon stinks. Like he does have talent around him, but I just feel like the way their team is currently constructed and built right now, he's got to be A plus. Like they are built to attack you through the air with all the receivers that they have there. You know, Joe Mixon can contribute in the passing game as well, and he's he's a very good running back, I agree. But it's definitely on the shoulders of Burrow. Even, even defensively, Cincinnati is okay. They're not bad defensively by any stretch, but it's just so much more on Joe than it is on Stafford in any real... I mean, Stafford's defense is, is loaded. They probably have more individual talent on the defensive side of the ball than the offensive side of the ball, if you think about it, with Rams. Um, and so, yeah, I, I could totally see Stafford going through this game and playing like a B, B minus game and still winning the Super Bowl. And to be honest, BLG, if that happens, he'll still probably win the Super Bowl MVP. Uh, of course. Yeah, it's always it's, it's definitely just from a narrative standpoint. I mean, it's a number one overall pick like, you know, 
you have to think about who are the quarterbacks who didn't win, you know, Super Bowl MVP. Um, you think what about like Ben Roethlisberger back in the day, um, Russell Wilson. Um, you know, both these, of Ben's Super Bowls, he didn't win Super Bowl MVP. Okay, both. Um, and you know, I don't think it's like just because if he was a number one pick, does that change everything? Maybe not, but it certainly would help because that narrative is a, is a big factor and all of that. So yeah, I think it would have to be pretty, you know, some kind of very um like obvious circumstance you know where you know uh it would be like you know pass rusher having five sacks in a game for it to not be like the quarterback let me ask you this if stafford loses this game let's say he plays like a good game but loses has he changed the narrative around him like oh you know not a great quarterback can't win the big game kind of a thing? Or do you think that he's done enough this year, just getting to the Super Bowl in his first year in a new system with the Rams that people will kind of give him a little bit more respect going forward? Or does he have to win? He has to win. I mean, the Lombardi trophy kind of means a lot. And when you give up two first round picks, and even if you want to say that, you know, one of them was given uh, up the golf contract and everything. um, Like this is the, the all-in kind of mode for this team training Von Miller. This is all your chips are in. You don't know how long this window is. You don't know if you're going to be back here next year. Like, there's no guarantee of that at all. So, like, yeah, I absolutely think that's important. As you are calling me stats here now on Slack, I don't know how this is happening. As we're doing the podcast, you're hearing me. Yeah, that was a mistake. My bad. (laughs) This is the amazing part, though, of doing the show live stats. It's uh, anything can happen, or at least on video. When I try and pause my notifications and click on the wrong button, (laughs) I don't even know. You're just trying to keep me on my toes here. See, if I was a real pro, I could have just, like, tried to to not say that. But I like to break the fourth wall a little bit and let listeners into uh, what's going on behind the curtain. But, um, but yeah, um, I absolutely think um, that whatever the point I was making, I was right about. So, yes. Right. <laughs> That's the show in a nutshell, right? <laughs> whatever the point is that I was making, it was absolutely right. All right. Let's take a break then and let's do this. We're going to talk about after the break when we come back. We have our list, five people deep, most important non-quarterbacks in this game because, like we said, Quarterbacks deserve love, but there's plenty of other talent and plenty of other matchups that are going to matter going forward. So when we come back, we'll hit that up. Back here on the off-day debrief, part of the SB Nation NFL show brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook. Okay, PLG, as everybody knows, this show is the home of the only 100% accurate power rankings in the entire NFL podcast kingdom. So you had the great idea this week to rank the five most important non-quarterbacks since it was your idea. I I will be a gentleman. I think it's only right that you should get the first uh, reveal, so to speak. Start with number five. Yeah, we'll start from bottom up. And I have Trey Hendrickson from the Bengals here on this list. A lot of people I felt like thought Trey Hendrickson was going to be a bust, somewhat of a free agent signing, because you looked at some of the sacks he had the Saints last year, and I think specifically by um, uh, offensive line mastermind, uh, um, I'm blanking on his name, Brandon Thorne, sorry, um, same name as me, and I forgot it. Uh, I remember he did like a study of kind of like the, the graded the quality of sacks, and I think Trey Hendrickson was kind of lower on that end, but I mean, this guy's been pretty productive in Cincy too. And he actually ranks second in Pro Football Focus's pass rush productivity stat. Um, he has two and a half sacks in the playoffs. You kind of mentioned stats about how you can envision maybe there's this big moment 
this big miscue by Matthew Stafford in this game. I could see it maybe not even just on a throw, but like he's dropping back to pass. He's looking for that deep ball. And all of a sudden, not too dissimilar to how you had Brandon Graham strip sacking Tom Brady. You're going to have Trey Hendrickson yep. come off the edge and there's going to be a big fumble and that's going to be a big boost for the Bengals and it's going to change the game. So, um, you know, I, I think it's fun to to give a little love to a player who maybe, I mean, you know, that's obviously one of the best players on the Bengals or has been impactful for them. But when you're talking about like some of the stars that will be higher on this list, I, I wanted to start it off with a guy who maybe wasn't as obvious. Michael Kist watching on the SB Nation NFL YouTube page <laughs> says Trey Hendrickson looks like John Dorenboss playing edge. Former Eagles long snapper. If you didn't know that uh, stats, if you didn't know, I, you know who that is. I, I didn't, I meant to, I didn't brush up on my Eagles long snappers before we started. That's my bad. That's on me. It's been a crazy week. So I apologize for that. But uh, I actually did have Trey Hendrickson at number five on my oh, list. Oh my gosh. Uh, look, the only way that you're going to disrupt this Rams offense is to get pass rush. And he is Cincinnati's best pass rusher. And I kind of agree with you. I think that just by nature of the fact that he was signing with Cincinnati, we all thought, well, he's not going to work out, which is that's kind of like the culture and the mindset that seeps in when you've had years and years of losing, right? Like you just like, it's the opposite with the Patriots. Everybody, the Patriots sign, people are like, oh, that's going to be great. Watch. He's going to be great now. And that's not even close to the truth at all. And it wasn't true in this case either. Hendrickson, Hendrickson has been fantastic. I feel like he gets hurt every game, though, BLG. Yeah. At some point, you're going to see a shot of him on the sideline, like holding his back or his arm or something. But they are going to need him to have a huge game because, like I said, Stafford will do it on his own. But if he can get pressure on him, he can really, really struggle. He turns into a different quarterback, like a lot of guys. He does get hurt, um, but he comes back in. He doesn't. He yeah. doesn't allow him to keep him out, so he grinds out there. And I think uh, I think he's been a pain for the other quarterbacks that the Bengals have played in the playoffs. That's kind of how I would describe it. It's like, oh, that guy again. He's hitting me again. Um, so I, I definitely think he's going to be a factor in this game. Um, should I go with number four? Do we have the same number four as well? I hope not. What do you got? <laughs> I have Aaron Donald sticking with the defensive line. Oh no, because, he's not my number four. Okay. Uh, I'm guessing you have him even higher. Um, I have him here because uh, obviously a mismatch when it comes to the Bengals offensive line and to relay everything back to the Eagles Super Bowl once more. Uh, another big takeaway from that game was the Eagles had the best trenches basically in the NFL that year. So that's something that is hard to reconcile when it comes to the Bengals. I mean, we've seen Burrow overcome a bad offensive line, but can you like continue to do that? And can you do that against Aaron Donald? And I don't have Von Miller on here, spoiler alert, but he's kind of there too. Um, so I think Donald having a huge game has the potential to wreck a game. Um, as we've seen from some dominant interior players this year, I think back to Jeffrey Simmons when they played the Rams, obviously that's that team, not the same thing. Um, but when you have that interior disruption um, and even, you know, kind of like how the Bengals were kind of able to bother Patrick Mahomes in the AFC championship game and force him into some mistakes. So obviously interior pressure is incredibly valuable, um, especially when it comes to maybe uh, limiting some of the things that Joe wrote. Bill Burrow can do not only as a thrower, but his mobility as well. So I have Donald in the four spot. What about you? I actually had him at number two because um, mm. you mentioned it. Game wrecker. Like there are times where the Rams couldn't even practice because Aaron Donald is literally blowing up every freaking play. That's how good this guy is. And I don't care what quarterback you are, how mobile you are. There is nothing that screws up a play and a quarterback more than 
quick pressure up the middle. And that is exactly where Aaron Donald lives most of the time. I think he can absolutely just change the game. He can just take it over. You, you wouldn't be able to run. You're not going to be able to throw. And we know that that Cincinnati offensive line has their struggles. Like That's well documented. And I just think that Donald's playing for legacy here. Like he's talked about it. The Rams have talked about it, how Von Miller keeps saying, like, we got to get the ring for Aaron Donald. And I do feel like that will sort of elevate him and kind of vault him into another stratosphere. Cause I feel like we do this thing with great players that don't win championships is we kind of put them in this little box off to the side as if they can't be included in any of the all time discussions, which is not true at all. Aaron Donald wins a ring. He's one of the greatest defensive players in the history of the NFL. There are literally no knocks that you can have against him, right? Like this is the last remaining thing. As our good friend RJ Ochoa likes to say, this is the last infinity stone in the Aaron Donald legacy career. Uh, And so I I have him at number two on my list. I think he's going to be massively important. I think if he utilizes his invisible uh, technology that he has in those commercials, you know, where he can just make himself not seen at all. (laughs) I think that'd be a huge uh, factor working in the Rams saver. Although maybe they get confused if you can't see him out there and they send an extra man. And it turns out they actually had, what, 12 men on the field. There's a penalty. Yeah, so it's, it's a double edged sword there. But I do think he should use some of his invisible powers at some point. Might be an asset. That's all I'm saying. All right. So that is number four on your list. Who is number three? I have Cooper Cup here. And um, you could argue he should be number one or higher because who's had an answer for this guy? I mean, since the playoffs have begun, he had 61 yards in the first game, 183 in the second, and then 142. And he has, oh, by the way, four touchdowns. Um, Who can cover him? Like who, who is covering Cooper cup because, uh, and that's honestly a big reason why I thought that, uh, the Rams would indeed finally take down the 49ers, your 49ers stats in the NFC championship game, because I was like, who do the 49ers have? That is an answer for Cooper cup. And the reality is again, no one in the NFL really has a great answer for him. He's kind of just unstoppable out there. Um, you know, you, you make a case that, uh, you know, he's in the MVP conversation for the regular season. Um, so, yeah, it's him. I, I don't know how the Bengals are going to cover him. The Bengals have ha- obviously had some quarterbacks who step up here, but I really feel like and I was almost tempted to put this player on the list, not because I think they're good. I actually think they're bad. <laughs> but um, Eli Apple. Like when you right. get Cooper Cup mentioned or matched up on Eli Apple, that's going to be a big problem. I feel like for the Bengals, I know we are uh, Jason Markham stopped by the SB Nation NFL show and talked about how uh, Eli Apple's kind of been like feast or famine when he's been good. He's made some plays, he's been good, but when he's bad, it's really bad. And I've seen some of the worst of Eli Apple. <laughs> I remember one of the the moment that. I was kind of out on Eli Apple as a whole in his career when he was burned by Nelson Aguilar in the 2016 season. I was like, (laughs) that guy is not good if he's getting burned by Nelson Aguilar. So uh, I can only imagine what Cooper Cup might do to him if they get matched up in this game. Cup is incredible. You mentioned against the 49ers. I believe he had six or seven catches for over 100 yards just on third down in that game, which is crazy because you would think The one time the 49ers would pay extra, extra attention to Cooper Cup would be on third down when the Rams really need a conversion. And yet he still did that to the 49ers. My one pushback on that is I've also seen Cooper Cup have incredible games specifically against San Francisco and the Rams still lose. And in one of those games, the first Rams game this year, the Rams got their doors blown off. 
So it is possible for Cup to go off and the Rams to still lose. Uh, but when you're talking about a guy that, what did he have, the second most receiving yards in a single season in NFL history this year? Like, yeah, he he definitely deserves to be on the list. I had him at number four on my list. Um, he's He's incredible. He does everything that they need. He can go deep. He can catch a short pass to convert a first down. He can go over the middle. Like, he's one of the most versatile players. People forget that he had a torn ACL at one point. He's absolutely unbelievable. And I don't think it's a coincidence. I know we're not talking about quarterbacks here, but I don't think it's a coincidence that Matthew Stafford was the quarterback when Calvin Johnson set the single season, single season receiving record and Cooper Cup had the second most yards in NFL history. I'm just saying. And again, four touchdowns in the playoffs. You love touchdown stats. You need them. You got to have them. Imagine so, that. Yeah, I think I think that's another thing uh, that you would want to value him for. Let me, can I go to number three on my list? Yeah, I'll allow you to do that. Yes. All right. And I don't know, people might think I'm crazy. I'm going with Odell Beckham Jr. Hmm. I think that people think that, like, he stopped being good at football because he was in Cleveland. Like, the the Odell thing is not very complicated. It's a very easy thing to break down. He's not good with adversity. He does not handle <laughs> adversity well. That's why was he a quote unquote problem with the Giants? Because their offense stunk and they were losing games. Same thing with Cleveland. Inconsistent quarterback play. They were losing games. What happens when he comes to the Rams? They're winning games. Stafford can chuck it all over the place. And all of a sudden, it's like, oh, yeah, Odell Beckham Jr. is really good again. Like, no, he was always this good. He just needs a certain situation around him. I think he has it in this situation with the Rams. And I, like you mentioned, I think Cup's going to get a ton of attention. So I could see Odell Beckham Jr. having a huge game. I think they're going to lean on him. It's, it's a damn good situation when your number two wide receiver is Odell Beckham Jr. And I could easily see him having multiple touchdowns in this game because Cup's going to get all the love. And like I talked about how Stafford's just going to chuck it up sometimes, and he will. Well, sometimes that's fine with Odell Beckham Jr. because he'll come down with it. I think you can see this from a narrative standpoint of Odell Beckham like winning Super Bowl MVP. Let's say that he is a really, really big game. I mean, we already said we think it's going to go to a quarterback, but like I can see a world where it goes to him. And the discussion is this guy was available and, and like it twists the knife and not only the Browns, but like, you know, maybe the, the Chiefs and the yep. Saints and all and the Packers and all these other teams that were like rumored the Patriots who are rumored to be interested in him um, and, you know, we're close to getting him or whatever. I could totally see that from a narrative standpoint. But what you're touching on about Odo Beckham with, you know, being bad at adversity, which is clearly the case, like I can't trust that guy. Because things are going to get tough, especially in the Super Bowl. You're probably going to, I mean, you know, maybe the Rams get out to a lead and they cruise to a blowout victory. Possible. But, like, there could be a point where they're down and they need to come back. And I don't necessarily trust Odell Beckham fully. I mean, I trust the talent. He's a talented player. But because of that kind of, it's a it's a front runner mentality. It's yep. like, hey, when things are going well, I'm doing good. But, like, I, I just feel like there is going to be adversity at some point. Or you kind of have to account or assume there will be and be ready for that. And because of that, I don't think he's a terrible player, but I don't trust him. Like I can't put him on my list here because I just think, um, uh, yes, it's important in terms, he's important in terms of, yeah, if Cooper cup is getting doubled and everything and, and someone needs to step up and maybe he can, but I, I just don't love putting all my faith in him. 
I totally agree. I could see a scenario where the Cincinnati happens to get up a couple scores early. Odell starts pressing. Maybe he drops out a pass where he's open and he, it starts to snowball on him. It can do that. You can see him sort of mentally have trouble just kind of sticking with stuff when times get tough. So that's a totally fair criticism. He was number three on my list. Who was your number three? My number three was cup. So I move on right. to, okay. I'm sorry. It's stats. Um, I move on to number two. Jalen Ramsey, and this goes with my number one spoiler alert because I think this is the matchup of the game, right? It's Jamar Chase versus Jalen Ramsey. That is the matchup, and um, <laughs> Jalen Ramsey has no small task of needing to basically take Chase out of this game. And kind of like I said with Cooper Cup, I mean, who has had an answer for Jamar Chase? Because this is a guy with 116 yards. 109 yards, and then 54 yards in the Bengals' uh, three playoff games here. Now, he only has one touchdown, so I know you're not going to love that stats. But nope. still pretty impactful player, and I think super critical to what the Bengals, obviously, their offensive identity. Now, you know, there's still Tyler Boyd, still T. Higgins, and I think it's possible that um, maybe you need to move Jalen Ramsey at some point. Like, let's say, you know, if, okay, you have him on Jamar Chase, and like T Higgins is just crushing you though, time after time. It's like, well, maybe you kind of need to mix up some looks. I'm not saying move him permanently because then Jamar Chase might go offshore, but he might. The point being, like Jalen Ramsey might not just need to to lock in just on Jamar Chase and shut him down, but might need to be able to move around in this game and kind of be called upon to like shut whoever's kind of like the hot end and, and shut them down. So there's a lot of pressure on him. I mean, we talk about the Jared Goff trade, which was obviously a big deal. Um, wasn't a small penny to pay to get Jalen Ramsey on this team. And that really Very hasn't true. paid off in, you know, in this huge way for the Rams just yet. So uh, I think there's a lot of pressure on him here. And and it's tough because I think he can honestly play really well, but because of the way uh, receiving works and like those the rules work in the NFL favoring offense and everything, he can play a really good game and still like might not be able to get it done. So I think there's a ton of pressure on him, but I think he's totally important to shutting down the Bengals. Cause if you can take away Jamar chase, I mean, the Bengals are mortal. I will say, you know, just because of the discussion we just had about OBJ, I kind of feel like Jalen Ramsey's the same way. Like, you can get under his skin and you can unnerve him. He was talking trash to Robbie Gold right yeah. before halftime in the NFC Championship game. Like, dude, what are you doing? You're, I thought the Rams were going to lose after that. I was like, there's no right. way the Rams are going to win. <laughs> like, I think if if you can get a couple balls to chase early on Ramsey, I think you can mess with him. I think you can get in his head a little bit. He's another guy to me that I don't feel like does well in adversity. And maybe that's not fair, but I just... I've seen him, you know, just throw, you know, get in somebody's face, maybe bang his helmet against somebody. I could see him getting a 15 yard penalty in this game just because something goes wrong early and he gets thrown off a little bit. But I, that is a good point by you. Although I do think that Cincinnati, because they're so deep at receiver, is more set up to to compensate for Ramsey taking one person away because they do have uh, talented players there. Okay, number two on my list was Aaron Donald, so we already talked about that. I don't know if you're going to throw a flag on me. I hope no. not. The number one most important non-quarterback in this game for me is Sean McVay. Oh, my gosh. And I, goes, I said we can't do head coaches. When you did you say rules. that? It's a non-quarterback, I I'll, thought. I will, I will tweet out for the listeners who want to see. I will tweet out the Slack um, 
I, I prefaced it originally with, but whatever, take your pick. And also, you don't have Jamar Chase in your top five, which is insane. But Because uh, they have two other really good wide receivers. Oh so even gosh. if Chase doesn't catch a single pass, it's not like they're not going to be able to move the ball. All right, give me, give me, give it to me. Sean McVay. The Rams have the better team, clearly, to me. And this is no knock on Cincinnati. The Rams just have one of the most talented rosters in the entire league. Everywhere you look, there's a friggin' superstar. Von Miller, Aaron Donald, Jalen Ramsey, Cooper Cup, Odell Beckham Jr. Oh, but Odell's their number two wide receiver. Obviously, Stafford. But Sean McVay, as you have said many times, is a giant coward. His <laughs> game management is terrible. Like, remember when he first got the job, BLG, and... Wade Phillips was there as the defensive coordinator. And when the Rams offense didn't have the ball, McVay would be sitting on the bench, looking at the iPad, not even watching the game. Like, I don't think his game management has gotten that much better since then. And when you have the better team, the one thing you cannot do is give the other team opportunities to get back into the game. And whether it's being aggressive when he should be conservative or being conservative when he should be aggressive or doing stupid reviews and losing timeouts, whatever the case may be, Sean McVay does not manage a game well. And we talk about people getting in their heads. I think McVay is wound so tight that I think he could snap in this game. And what I mean is that Super Bowl loss hit him hard. He has talked about it. He's criticized himself. We had him on Pro Football Talk, and he referred to himself as Boy Blunder. He really mm. thought he was going to go into that Patriots Super Bowl, and he thought they were going to win. Like, we have the game plan. We know we're going to be good. And then not only did they not win, but they got absolutely shut down. And I think that hit him hard. And I think, like, Sean McVay is not a... He's not the Bruce Arians type, right? Bruce Arians is like, go home at five, spend time with your family. Sean McVay is like, no. I'm going to grind. I'm going to say in my office, I'm going to stitch my eyelids open so I can watch an extra 10 minutes of film, right? To, to get some clue, some answer on how to do this. And I think he's just wound so tight that if things start to get out of hand early, maybe Cincinnati gets up a couple scores. I wonder if he's going to get inside of his head like, oh no, this, this can't happen to me again. I can't lose another one of these, right? They're so hard to get to. I, I don't know what to do. Is this really happening? Like I... I think McVay's management of this game is going to be a factor. I think it's the most important factor for the Rams because if it's tight, the game oftentimes comes down to one of those types of decisions, and that is the worst part of Sean McVay as a head coach. I think that's well said, Stats, but I have a big question for you, and it is, do you like scary movies? I hate scary movies. I am the biggest wuss. If anyone has seen me that's watching on YouTube, like I am, when it comes to scary <laughs> movies, I'm exactly how I look. Uh, so make sure if you're not listening or watching uh, the uh, SB Nation NFL show on YouTube that you do do that. If you're just listening to the audio format, uh, give that a give that a look so you can see our beautiful faces. Um, <laughs> but uh, you kind of stole my thunder stats because I was about to say the same thing. I I when I call Sean McVay a coward, it's an expert opinion. I know cowards <laughs> all too well. Um, so yeah, it's absolutely you know obviously anyone who knows me like knows I'm not into Sean McVay and it's almost like a bit, but it's not like I genuinely feel this way, and man, I just think the hype that's my, it's always been my problem. It's like the hype has never matched the output, and Sean McVay head coached a Super Bowl team that had the lowest scoring output in Super Bowl history, and we talk about this guy like he's like offensive genius, and obviously he's done a lot of good things, and he's not 
by any means, the worst coach in the NFL or even close to that. He's one of the better ones. But when it comes to these big spots, like we said it going into the playoffs, we said it throughout the playoffs, you know he's going to turtle. It's, it's going to happen. And he did it against the 49ers. Absolutely. He, he was calling screenplays on third down like late <laughs> in that game. Like he wouldn't even throw past the sticks. It's like, what are you doing? And, you know, I was about to tweet out at one point, um, like Sean McVay in the between the Super Bowl and the first three quarters of the NFC Championship game combined had 10 points, right? They, or, or 13, because he had what, like 10 or, or 7 heading into the fourth quarter against the Niners last week. Like, you know, I, I just don't think there should be any reason to have like full confidence in Sean McVay. Like, how, <laughs> how's a Rams fan? Can you feel like, I feel like our head coach is going to give us an edge. And for the billionth time to bring it back to the Eagles, going into the Super Bowl, like I felt good about where they were because like Doug Peterson is going to play to win. He's going to be aggressive. He's, and I didn't know he was going to go for it on fourth down and do the Philly <laughs> special. I couldn't have expected that. But uh, in hindsight, was it like the most shocking thing? No, it wasn't because that was his MO. That was his attitude. And I absolutely think, you know, we could be looking back at this game and from a narrative standpoint and being like, wow, Sean McVay, he made two Super Bowls and he played a big role in them winning neither. And also, what does that do to your legacy at that point? You're the guy who lost two. He wouldn't be the first head coach to lose two Super Bowls. But I feel like for all the hype he gets, that would just be such a big like blow. And as we've talked about many times before, does he walk away? Like, does because like, like you know how much how much more of a window does this Rams team have, and how much like of uh gas basically in the tank does Sean McVay have does he want to get back again especially because like he can't just be like well we just needed the quarterback because he got the quarterback this time right so I think this is a huge game for his legacy no I agree with you uh I remember Chris Carter one time at ESPN talked about the Vikings and for anyone that doesn't know the Vikings were a great team I think I want to say 98 I think it was they I think they were 15 and one around there. They're playing the Falcons. Gary Anderson is setting up for a field goal. It's going to put the game away. Gary Anderson hasn't missed a kick all season and he misses the kick. The Falcons get the ball back. They eventually tie the game. They go on to win the game. And Chris Carter talks about walking off that field. And what he said was when I was coming off that field, I didn't know if I wanted to play football anymore. Mm. And I think that, Sean McVay could be the exact same thing. He's himself has talked about burnout. And like I said, he is, he's a grinder, man. He is wound super, super tight. And he's, you know, going to, he's engaged now, or is he married? I don't know if he's married yet, or I know he's at least engaged. He's entering a different phase of his life. And the other thing to think about, he is going to have a billion job offers on the table from every television network that's ever existed, streaming services, everything. And look at the the deal that Tony Romo has. Sean McVay is going to be able to make millions of dollars as an analyst the second he wants to do it. So he's going to still be able to make a ton of money with a thousand percent less stress, right? No need to stay up till two in the morning. None of that stuff. That's a factor, too. It's not just do I want to keep doing this. It's what else is available to me. So I agree with you, BLG. I wouldn't be stunned at all if they lost and he walked away. That would not even rate in my top five most surprising NFL stories. Especially, I think, in the wake of Sean Payton and comparing the situations like, hey, the Saints aren't in this great spot moving forward. You know, like they they have a lot of work to do. And Sean Payton is like, well, bye. Like, I don't have to be right. here for this. I've already done That's a lot. such a I, weak move, by the way. I, 
typical Sean Payton. Just typical. Great job. Leave the Saints in the lurch. <laughs> but, you know, McVay could look at the Rams similarly and be like, well, you know, I mean, they have something of a window. I'm not saying, like, they can't uh, be competitive again next year and, like, you know, they're going to be one of the worst teams in the league all of a sudden. But it's tough because you don't have these draft picks and you have guys who are getting older on that roster and you have guys who are going to be going elsewhere in free agency agency potentially so you know i think he could look at it maybe it's not this year but maybe it's a lot closer than we would think especially it's kind of crazy we're talking about that because you know how how long has the story been sean mcveigh the youngest head coach in the nfl and you know this this wonderkind and everything but it would be kind of funny um if he did walk away and like you said not impossible so uh, it was cheating to put him first on this list because (laughs) uh because I, I set the parameters. Maybe I, clearly I didn't communicate it well enough. I mean, that's that's on me. Um, but yeah, I mean, he is the most important in terms of if he he has the chance to reverse the narrative stats. Like if he goes out there and the Rams are facing these big fourth downs and he's going for it. And even if he doesn't get it, like I would have more respect for him. Obviously, yep. you know, you, you want to see the results. But like even if he just was more aggressive in this game, I'd be like, OK, you deserve to win the Super Bowl. Um, so we'll see. I, I'll believe it when it happens. You are definitely more critical of McVay than I am. Like, I think the fact that he's gotten to two Super Bowls already, especially one with Jared freaking Goff, I think he deserves a ton of credit. I, and maybe it's just because I cover and root for a team whose head coach has a Super Bowl appearance and didn't win, Hmm. but I give coaches huge credit for Super Bowl appearances. I don't think we give enough, like the Bills getting to four straight Super Bowls in the 90s, that is unbelievable in terms of like sports and nfl accomplishments i don't think people give that nearly the credit it deserves they got to four straight super bowls and i know they didn't win one but that's hard to do so the fact that mcveigh has gotten to two i give him a ton of credit i think he has lived up to the hype i mean he's not even 40 years old yet and he has two super bowl appearances and maybe a super bowl victory how many coaches can say that in the history of the nfl well, I mean, you like touchdown stats. It's about getting it in the end zone. I and do like touchdowns. Getting the Lombardi Trophy is like getting it in the end zone for the season. <laughs> so you gotta, you gotta kind of gotta weigh those a little bit. Uh, I think you're a little too forgiving. I get it in terms of there's luck involved, and I, I think I say that a decent amount. It's not just like whoever wins the Super Bowl every year is not necessarily like you know the most deserving team. But it was like eliminating all. It's not like the NBA Finals, you know, where there's a set or a World Series or there's a seven game series, and the better team is probably going to win that um because there's more of a sample size there you know, there's luck involved in everything but uh but that's the the fun of the nfl and that's how it goes it's a it's very thin margins here where you know something goes slightly differently and it changes the whole course of history but again that's 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 the point of this so uh let's recap your top five most important non-quarterbacks for the super bowl so i have from one down i have jamar chase at the top Jalen Ramsey in the second spot, top matchup there between those two guys. Cooper Cup in the three hole, Aaron Donald at four, and Trey Hendrickson at five. So I have a Bengal at the top and the bottom spot, but three Rams sandwiched between those. I have Sean McVay at number one illegally, but I'm doing it anyway. Aaron Donald at number two, OBJ at number three, Cooper Cup at number four, and Trey Hendrickson at number five. That all Rams except for number five mm. for me. That's probably a mistake. Or it's telling. And and because you, you kind of said, you know, they have the better roster and everything. Well, like, okay, I know this is not a thing and we're at the end of the show, but just really quickly, yeah. if I told you, if we put all these players into a draft on both teams, who are you taking number one overall? Um, so the players from our list, not the quarterbacks. Everybody. Oh, the quarterbacks too? Yep. I'm taking Joe Burrow, number one. Right. Who would you take two? 
number two, I'm probably taking. Uh, hmm, I'm gonna take Jamar Chase. I think that after Burrow, I would say the next like three picks you could argue should all be Rams. Hmm. Give Donald Ramsey Cup Odell. Like after Burrow for Cincinnati, and it's not that they're not good. That's not what I'm saying at all. But I just like to me the talent is so heavily skewed in the Rams' favor in this game. That's why I think they should win it. Doesn't mean they will win it at all. But in terms of the talent, I think that they are clearly the better team. I'm going to say on the record, because I went on the record with my correct Super Bowl pick last year when I picked the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, uh, uh-huh. totally accurately and not because of any ulterior motives. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to take the Rams to win the Super Bowl this year's stats. I don't want it to happen, but I feel like I have this bet. And I and I feel like you shouldn't bet against Joe Burrow, but uh, if I, it's what I have to do to allow the Bengals to win. Like uh, I allowed the um, – well, wait, no. Now I'm I'm kind of crossing my wires here, but anyway, I want the Bengals to win. I think I'm going to take I'm, I am going to take the Rams to win, and I will happily be wrong if uh, it is not the case. I will be rooting hard for the Bengals. I cannot root for the Rams. You can't root for the team that knocked your team out of the playoffs, right? Well, like, also, I'm... what is this conference pride thing? They're talking about this on Monday Football Monday. I don't know if Pete Sweeney is being serious about like you know wanting the Bengals to win. Or anything because they're in the same conference. That's that, that doesn't exist. That is not real. There's no division pride. There's no conference pride. I agree with you. What you're saying? No, because there's a chance that if the Rams win the Super Bowl next season, maybe the 49ers have to play them, and they're raising their championship banner in a game against the 40. No, I don't want to see that. No, 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 no. I will be rooting hard for Cincinnati. I do think there's a little like for the Harbaugh years. I always said. Jim Harbaugh can can say that the only team that ever knocked his team out of the playoffs was the Super Bowl champion. I do think that that is like a point of pride, but that's mm-hmm. for him. That's not for me. No, yeah. no way am I rooting for the Rams. I want the Bengals to win. I like good stories. And Cincinnati winning the Super Bowl would be the most shocking Super Bowl champion in my lifetime for sure. Uh, I don't know. All time, you know, look, I don't have a good feel for some of the some of the uh, storylines going into the 1970 season. I'm not going to lie. But Cincinnati winning this Super Bowl would be the most stunning Super Bowl champion in my lifetime. The Rams winning would be good. Fine. Like, but in terms of a story, it's all with Cincinnati. The pressure is on the Rams. They need this game more. And I think that's something to consider because like the Bengals, you know, it's no guarantee they'll be back either just because they're young. But at least you can like kind of talk yourself into that a little bit more than you could with the Rams and the pressure and everything. Uh, but again, that doesn't necessarily mean that's going to happen because the Bengals weren't supposed to be here. This is all supposed to be house money to begin with. Um, and they could just easily, it's crazy that um, they're here, but it's also crazy that like, it's not crazy to say they can win the Super Bowl. Like, you know, they're the underdog or whatever, but it's not like that's out of the realm of, pos- no, nothing is out of the realm of possibility with Joe Burrow and this team. So really hope they get it done. I think Bengals fans deserve it. Uh, and I'm usually not someone to like say that, especially uh, as like a bitter Eagles fan in a lot of ways, and maybe just a bitter person. But I, I genuinely think like they deserve this. Uh, our good friends over at Cincy Jungle do a great job of covering that team. Obviously, our friends at Terpso Chimes do as well for the Rams. Um, but I just think, you know, the Bengals not getting that love. Uh, it's nice to see. I'm not a fan base deserves it guy. I think if your team stinks, you should stop supporting the team. 
And because that's the only message that you can send, that's the only way you can hold ownership of a team accountable is to stop buying merchandise, stop going to games, stop watching on TV. That's the only thing that they respond to. Um, but I will be definitely rooting for Cincinnati. The Rams, no, just I can't. Sorry, Kenny Arthur. I know I'm going to talk to you later today on the Super Bowl roundtable. I will never root for your team. I will never be over the fact that my team is not in this game. And so I, my, I will be black and orange on Sunday. I will probably wear something orange on Sunday to show my support for the for the Bengals. That's fair. I could do the same. I could just uh, break out a Philadelphia Fire shirt, and I'm and I'm set. There you go. All right, everybody. Again, uh, if you haven't done it, please rate, review, and follow the SB Nation NFL show. Like I said, we have a ton of great guests coming your way this week. Deion Sanders, Russell Wilson, Debo Samuel, Trey Lance, Adrian Peterson, just to name a few. So smash that subscribe button so you get all the great stuff sent right to your phone. BLG, enjoy the game. Really quick, what is your go-to Super Bowl food of choice? I wanted to ask you about this stat, so I'm glad you brought this up. Uh, I'm going to be going with some, it's, it's a basic answer, but sometimes you got to play the hits, and I'm going with Buffalo Wings. Buffalo Wings. That's how, you need to have something Buffalo. I was going to say Buffalo Chicken Dip, and oh, like you, like you said, right? It's, it's a basic play, but you know what? The slant pass is in everybody's playbook <laughs> for a reason, because it's a damn good play. You got to have something spicy. For the Super Bowl, right? You got. I feel like you got to have some sort of hot sauce somewhere. You do. It's a. It's a spicy game. It's the, some would say the spiciest game of the year. So absolutely, uh, I'm gonna have blue cheese and ranch. I like having both options available. Um, I know they talked about Monday Football Monday and everywhere, everywhere else in the world. Uh, you know, you can only pick one. Disagree, uh, but it's it's both to me. Um, so maybe a pizza too. Add a pizza in there. Um, you know. Um, I'll have my bases covered stats. It'll be a good time. So we do the food like pregame and early. Then we put it away. And then after halftime, it all comes back out again. So we do like two rounds. Mm. Uh, so that's what will happen. We talked to Ross Tucker last week. He suggested hummus. Like, give me a break, Ross and Doritos. Tucker. That is such a weak hummus. What are we at a preschool party? Like, give me a break there. That was such a terrible answer. But I lost respect for him. I think you're you're being a little too harsh on hummus. I'm never I've never been the biggest hummus guy, but you get a good one. It can be nice stats. Now, um, it can't be like your main thing. I think it's part of that. If you're doing like a spread, you know, like a big spread here, it can be part of it, and you can have success with that. But it can't be a focal point. It's the Jimmy Garoppolo of Super Bowl. Foods. Oh no, just there for the ride. People will say at a party if there's other good stuff to be like, yeah, the food was good, and they'll forget that the hummus was there, and they were like, what is this doing here? Wow, Hard no love for hummus. No, absolutely not. Enjoy the game, everybody. And remember, even after the Super Bowl is over, we are not closing up shop. We are not going away in the offseason. None of that. Don't worry. We will be here with you all offseason long. It's gonna be, this is going to be a crazy offseason. There will be plenty of stuff to talk about. So again, rate, review, follow. BLG, enjoy the game. I'll talk to you next week. <laughs>